Oh, my, 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 my. You know, uh, a little sneak preview of what we're looking at today comes from the book of uh, Luke, chapter 2, verse 14. And it says this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. 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 What peace? We're going to look at the Christmas story today. What peace? I approve that message because that's the way I felt more often than not on Christmas. Christmas is more often than not a very, very messy time for me. For many of you, Christmas is happy. Your business is starting to wind down. You're starting to get ready to just enjoy the holiday. My, my year starts to wind up because I do the same thing for like seven days straight called Christmas Eve services awaited. It's like Groundhog Day for me. The same thing happened over and over and over and over again. And I love them every single time, but I can't really get into any kind of holiday spirit, holiday mood until like December 26th. My family oftentimes calls me a Scrooge because I don't want to hear Christmas music too early. I don't want, you know, our, our, our decorations aren't up yet. And I don't mind at all, actually, because right now I'm stressed. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. And that's not just this year. Some of my biggest pains and biggest difficulties have come around Christmas. When I was going to seminary, I went to actually to two seminaries full-time at the same time because I was transferring from one seminary that was on trimesters to another one that was on semesters. And I got done with my final exams right before Christmas break. I'm going home. I'm just getting to be happy. I'm turning on some Christmas music. I'm merging onto the highway. And wham, I hit a guy right in front of me who was backed up on the on-ramp and I didn't notice him. And I slammed into him going about 35 miles an hour. My new car, well, relatively new car for me, was crumbled. It was crunched. I got out, and there's a guy, his seat is, is, is broken backwards. He's lying down. He's, a, he's an old guy. And a life flight has to come and take him away from the side of the highway. And there I am, and I throw down my keys in disgust, saying, oh, this is going to be a, a great Christmas. That wasn't a good Christmas. Another time when I really, for the first time, was going to go outside of myself and bless my friends with Christmas presents, I said, I got to do this, but I, I didn't have the financial means to do it, and I never had been through Financial Peace University <laughs> or the Consume Journey or had understood the principles of, of, of money management in the Bible. Uh, so I just did something stupid, but it was coming out of, a, out of a good heart. I wrote checks that I knew were going to bounce to bless my friends. <laughs> and all the friends were at the same Christmas party, and as I left that Christmas party at the end of the night, all of the gifts that I had bought were left behind on the floor, trampled. They meant nothing to them. That was back in the day when there wasn't overdraft protection. Not only did I bounce all those checks, it was a $15 fee for every single bounce check. It was not, it was not a good Christmas. Our first child comes along. Find out about this. This is supposed to be a wonderful, beautiful thing. We find out heading into the holiday season. And uh, the church I was working on at that time, their fiscal year ran from January 1 to uh, December 31st, so therefore finalizing the budget and getting ready for it right around the middle, middle of December, I'm coming into work one day and I found out that uh, my salary is cut in half, half, budget restraints and now I have a brand new baby coming up and I have a salary that's cut in half, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, now these are just my stuff. I mean, many of us have much, much more difficult things. And I'm not even getting into some of the annoying family members that are around on Christmas. I mean, I, I hate to sound like a Scrooge, but I'm not one of these persons who gets, people gets all blissful and everything is good and everything is perfect on Christmas. Christmas actually, this is not a good scene for my life. Everything ranged, 
nice candles, beautiful poinsettias. This actually is a much better scene for me. Let's, let's just mess it up. Let's mess it up a little bit. And uh, this, this is actually more like a normal Christmas. You know, it's, it's disheveled. It's a, little, it's a little messy. Messy Christmas to you. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not really trying to complain. Oh, well, maybe a little bit I am. Um, but here's the thing. If this hasn't happened to your Christmas, you can't have a real Christmas. If these kind of things are not the things that you're dealing with, then you're probably delusional. Or there's a whole deeper aspect to life that you may not be seeing. See, all of us go through difficulties. I've had a number of difficulties around Christmas, but all of us have gone through difficulties, whether Christmas or not. And, and, and when the Bible talks about peace, okay, wh where's, where's the peace? Where's the, wh where, where is this coming from? In the midst of all of our disappointments, in the midst of all of the difficulties, why is it that life in Christmas tends to be so messy in here right now. We've got a lot of literal messy Christmases. For some of you, this is going to be your first Christmas divorced. It's going to be a messy Christmas. For others of us, you had a predetermined goal that this was supposed to be the year the Hallmark Christmas started. You should be married by now. And your predetermined goal is not being met. And this is going to be a messy Christmas for you. Some, some thought this was going to be the Christmas where you're going to be celebrating and experiencing a baby. And the miscarriage came. And this is going to be, and is already, a messy Christmas. Some of us in here have lost jobs. We've lost jobs. Merry Christmas. It is a messy Christmas. Others of us are just wondering if the axe is going to fall, if we're going to get quote-unquote right-sized. Others of us, we're not going to lose our job, but when we thought that life was going to get somewhat simple, it's not any longer because 50% of our net worth is gone. For others, of, and I, I can just keep going on and on, I don't, I don't want to name any more, but, but there are messy things in the midst of this Christmas. And here's the amazing thing. This is the way the first Christmas was. First Christmas was very, very messy. Chuck talked about this last week from Joseph's perspective. Messy, messy, messy. This is not the way any guy wants to start his family. Your wife... Your wife, who is about to be your wife, and then in that culture, Mary was pretty much his wife. It was a different, different cultural context. Comes and says, I'm pregnant, and it's God's. Hmm, really interesting. Yes, you know, it's a big, deep question. I don't want to go into uh, understanding and how that could happen. But certainly, it is a miraculous, supernatural, crazy, out there thing. And no matter where you are in your spiritual orientation today, I'm not going to ask you to believe that if that's not where you are right now. But I am going to try to tweak you where you are spiritually. If you think the spiritual life is about having everything clean and everything in order, you are going to have a frustrating spiritual life. You're never going to find the real God. Life is always going to be bumming you out. Because for many of us, we think that the closer I get with God, the more peaceful my life will be. And guess what? Sometimes the closer God gets to you, the messier your life gets. The closer God starts working, the more he starts uprooting things, bringing things up that you don't want to deal with, coping with things and causing all kinds of, of disruptions. And, and Joseph experiences this. He doesn't want his first father experience to be where he's a stepdad. He doesn't want to have to defend his wife's honor, who was the goody two-shoes. Everyone thought Mary was a great person. All of a sudden she's pregnant, and now, Joseph, you're going to still be with her? How, how is this? Joseph has a whole mess that's thrown his way, and yet, yet he's an incredible guy. 
and he grows close to God in the midst of messy situations. I'm going to tell the story, Christmas story today. But we're going to tell it through, uh, through Mary's perspective. We're going to talk about the things that she copes with in the midst of her first Christmas, a messy Christmas. Now, the way it starts is Mary's going about doing her business, getting, just getting ready for the, for the wedding. She all looks good. Mary, I, I think, is a phenomenal woman. I think that Mary is probably the greatest woman who ever lived. She was a woman. She was a human. She was not God or else God wouldn't have had to come and put his seed inside of her. She's not sinless or else there would be no reason for God to intervene because a sinless person was already there. She's not sinless. She's not God. But she, I believe, she is the greatest woman that ever walked planet Earth. She's the woman, I believe, is closer to God than perhaps any human being ever was and ever is. And I, I don't really have any proof for this other than if I was God and I was going to put my seed in a woman's womb, I would want the best woman I could find. I would just want one whose character was stellar. I would want one who honored me. I would want one who talked with me. I, I, I would just look high and low for a woman that had a beautiful life. And here comes a mess, a mess. An unexpected and unwanted pregnancy. And she hears that this is going to be how it is. A, a, an angel comes and visits her. And Mary's response in verse 38 of, of Luke chapter 1 is this. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be according to your word. Then the angel left her. This, this is why Mary is such a great woman. She is not planning this. I don't think this is the way she would have scripted her life. She knows she's going to have all kinds of things to answer for. See, in the ancient world, today, when you get pregnant or when you get married, there's really not much cultural stigma left around, not, around being a virgin before you get married. I mean, very few people any longer get married a virgin. Well, back in the day... They had customs that happened in many towns. We're not sure if this happened in Bethlehem's town or not, but nonetheless, this was a cultural setting where men would actually take the bedsheet and hang it outside, or the bedding, hang it outside, showing the bloodstain, showing this is my, my, this is my wife and I was the first. This is the cultural expectation that there is going to be difficulty if you... Get pregnant before you're married. Now Mary is pregnant. There is a cultural expectation that this shouldn't happen. Now she's not seen as being all that great of a person. And she knows it's the way it's going to be. And yet she says, hey, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm not here about a peaceful life for myself. I'm the Lord's servant. When you go to a new place spiritually is when you come to a place and you say, I'm going to be God's servant for God to do it in my life, whatever he wants. I'm not going to use God to give me the life I want. I want to go after God and just receive the life that he wants for me. When God gets involved in your life, there's oftentimes messes and Mary is in a deep mess and she is open to it. She's open to it because she's open for whatever God would do in her life. Are you, are you open to whatever God would do in your life? Or do you have a set of situations and circumstances that God has to first hit before you believe that he's the one true God? That's why many of us are in perpetual seeking mode or perpetual, perpetual seeking mode and not receiving mode because we are waiting for some deity, some spirituality to meet all of our preset criteria. And guess what? It doesn't happen. It will never happen. And every time there's a mess in your life, you'll have more fodder for why God doesn't exist until you realize that God is not about keeping you mess-free. He's about making your mess beautiful. He's about coming into your mess and doing 
what only he can do. So let's continue and, uh, and read along here. Verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me just stop here for a second. Uh, we talked about this before. I, I just can't get over this e even more. Even when God appears, people mess themselves. <laughs> Every time an angel comes around, the angel in the Bible has to say, fear not, don't be afraid. Fear not, don't be afraid. These are not little, nice, tiny creatures that make everybody feel good. Angels are God's warriors. They're spiritual warriors that come to do his bidding, come to do his battle. Angels in the Bible are seen wielding swords. So that's why when an angel comes around, they immediately have to say, don't be terrified, don't be terrified. They come to these shepherds, say, don't be terrified. Here, now let's talk about shepherds. This is messy. Why would an angel appear to a shepherd? Angels are now coming and talking to people that people think very lowly of. Let's, let's continue on here. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Now, a few things are really interesting here that are just really messy. First of all, the fact that these guys have a spiritual experience and the angel has to calm them down says this is a messy spiritual experience. I hear many people talk about their spiritual experience and you always feel good and happy and lovey and going away and everything is good. Those are good spiritual experiences. I've had a few of those. Those are, no, those are nice. But I've had more of them where God gets involved in my life and there's terror. Because <laughs> I realize, how am I going to handle this? This doesn't go with my preconceived desires for the way life was supposed to be. And these angels come to people who are messy people. Shepherds are messy people. When you're a shepherd in the first century, that is not the way your life was to go. Being a shepherd was not an admirable occupation. It was an occupation you did when you had absolutely no other options. Shepherds were seen as thieves. They wouldn't own their own sheep. They were hired out. And oftentimes the sheep would get killed and they would just say, well, uh, you know, a, a lion came out when they didn't actually fight the, off the lion. Or sometimes they would actually steal the sheep. They would steal the sheep themselves and say, well, a lion came and ate the sheep and took it away. So therefore, owner of the sheep, I'm sorry, well, you know, we can't do anything. Uh, the shepherds were not respected. That's why they couldn't even give testimony in a court of law. They were so low, they couldn't even be expected to tell the truth. And yet God shows up in the midst of a messy occupation. <laughs> Why doesn't God show up in the midst of the business owner? I don't know. But I think it's interesting. This first Christmas, he comes to messy people who as an occupation are not honored. So this is going to be a scene. This is going to be a sign. You're going to see a baby wrapped and lying in a manger. We'll talk more about this next week. Lying in a manger. A manger. Manger was a feeding trough. It was a sloppy, messy feeding trough. It was what cattle would eat out of. Lying in a manger, honestly, the equivalent to that today would be you're going to find a baby lying in a urinal. What? You, you don't put babies in urinals. And you don't put babies in mangers. You don't put ba babies in dog bowls. Well, what is this? 
This is, this is a messy, messy Christmas. A woman who's not expecting wanting a, wanting a child, a, a husband, a husband who, who is not wanting to be a stepdad his first time around. Shepherds who are not supposed to be communing with God because they're dirty. A baby that's going to be wrapped in claws, lied in a, in a dirty thing. This is, this is a messy, messy Christmas. Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what do these shepherds do? These shepherds move. They immediately move. When they hear that there is something happening in the spirit realm, when they hear that God is coming to the earth, when a Savior is going to be born, a Savior, why a Savior? Why is it that God doesn't say, I am going to give you a helper? Why does he not say, why does he say, why does he not say, I am going to give you a teacher. Why is it for, for today in the town of David, a teacher has been born to you? There's a lot of us. That's what we feel like we need. I don't need a savior. <laughs> I, I'm just an understandably flawed person in need of a few helpful principles. I just need someone to teach me. I just need, why isn't God sending a teacher? Uh, why, why, isn't, why isn't God sending a helper? I don't need saved. I just need someone to come alongside me and help me. Why isn't God saying, sending a helper? Why isn't, why isn't God sending a fixer, a fixer-upper? <laughs> I want a fixer-upper. I want a cleaner-upper. Clean. He's sending a Savior. Why is that? It's because he's coming to a world that is in a mess. He's coming to a world and to a people that have done everything they could to figure out life on their own, who've done everything they could to go after what they wanted in life in the process, a world con- existing of a bunch of Brian Tomes that hit other people on the highway. A world of existing of another bunch of Brian Tomes that, that actually gets scroogey around times of, of cheer. A world of people like Brian Tomes who, who, who just go after their own thing way, way, way too often, create messes. And the, and, and, the, and, and the angels say, he's going to be a savior, someone who jumps into the mess, doesn't fix it, doesn't teach you out of it, but jumps into the mess with you and saves you from the ultimate ramifications. And what do the shepherds do? They immediately say, done, we're there. <laughs> we're there. They move, they move, they move, and they head down off the hills into Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how sweet we see thee. There's nothing sweet about Bethlehem. <laughs> Bethlehem was not a sweet town back then, and it's still today not a sweet town. I've been to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, there's a wall that goes all around the city. It's a wall that the Israelis built all the way around the city to keep the Palestinians in. And when you go into the city of Bethlehem today, when you come out of the city, you are faced with long, massive traffic lines because Israeli gunmen, young, new recruits in the army, checkpoint every single person that comes out of the city to make sure they're not doing something wrong. You can see how this, the animosity is fueled in the midst of that region. I mean, if you were coming, having to leave your hometown and had to go through a wall to leave your hometown where 
some young guy was with a gun who was just giving you a hard time and you were making your life, you, it would be difficult. Even to this day, Bethlehem is still messy. <laughs> Buildings are still bombed out. It is messy. Bethlehem and Christmas are messy from start to finish. See, see, if your life is a little messy right now, I'm actually trying to encourage you. I'm really not trying to bum you out. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage you because, because Jesus, Jesus is at home in messes. He's at home in the midst of disappointments. He's at home in the midst of difficulty. He's at home in the midst of dirt. He's even at home in the midst of sin. He jumps into a sinful world. You and I, we don't clean ourselves up and make things clean in order to tidy things up to make it ready for Jesus. He jumps into it the way it is right now. My wife and I often have this um, argument when people come over the house because she gets so stressed out making everything clean. Make sure it's all clean and all perfect. And I'm saying, honey, two minutes in, it's going to be messy and no one's even going to notice. So what do you say you don't clean and we don't fight right now? Because we always fight and getting ready. There's all this stress before people come in. And that's the way many of us are, many of us are like. If you're thinking that you need to make your life peaceful or first uh, hit some moral caliber or first hit some spiritual knowledge base before you made your life in a way for Jesus to enter into it, Jesus doesn't understand those situations. He jumps into messes. He jumps into Bethlehems. He jumps into, into, into feeding troughs. He, he, God's seed, jumps into a human. Now that's a mess. That's a mess. Jesus is at home in the midst of messes. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I'll hold that last verse off. These guys go and they are obedient. Every time I sense that God wants me to do something, I know it's going to bring about a mess. Because oftentimes... Things that come out of obedience bring about a mess. The shepherds, they were creating a mess for themselves, leaving their posts. They had to think through, who's going to watch the sheep? Are we going to take a risk that the sheep aren't going to be watched and therefore people are going to think even less of us? Mary, in being obedient, she was bringing a mess onto herself. Every time you're obedient, there is a mess. But on the other side of obedience, there's a beauty. On the other side of obedience, there's a freshness and understanding with God. I, I don't know if you understood this when Rachel was, uh, when Rachel was talking about the service schedule. In case you weren't clear of this, let me, let me, let me tell you again. Uh, we have this weekend's sort of normal weekend service. We have next weekend sort of normal weekend service. Then we have awaited all day every day for many days. So if you're going to come to awaited next Saturday night or Sunday morning, or so, whatever those times are, that's the service that day if you're going to come then. And then, and then, the next weekend, we have no church at all. None. Now, the volunteers normally feel good about that. The, uh, the other folks are like, well, why not? Well, see, we learned, we actually sensed that this was something God wanted us to do. We sensed that God wanted us to model rest 
and model that we're not about church services and give people a break the week after Christmas to just shut things down. And so please don't come around here the, the uh, weekend after Christmas. No one will be home. No one will be home. Now, now we've done this a few years in a row now. So uh, those of us who've been around know that it's actually kind of cool. There's some spiritual exercise we'll give you. You can go home and you can watch those things or, or do those things, interact with your friends on those things. And, and we, we learned it, it's, really, it's really a neat, neat, neat thing. And then we come back the first of the year and people are fired up and excited and all that stuff. But I'll tell you, initially... It was a very, very difficult, in fact, it still is right now. Let me connect the dots for exactly why it is. That means we have no offerings two weekends in a row. None. <laughs> means we, in fact, the two weekends that are supposed to be the weekends that make or break your budget, year end, are gone. They're eliminated. Now, when we wrestled with this, we said, this is going to be messy. <laughs> this is going to be messy, but yet we sense that this is something that would please God. And so you plow forward and God makes it beautiful every single year. When we uh, go to people at the Thanksgiving food drive and organizations come to us, churches come to us who have a high concentration of people in poverty or work with people in, in, in areas of town that are, have a high percentage of poverty, uh, when they come and work with us and when we supply them boxes, it is a messy proposition because we receive all these requests of all these uh, meals that are needed, nobody has committed anything, and we don't know what's going to happen with the economy or anything. And we make these commitments of boxes that no one's even signed up for so they can get their infrastructure. That's why the Thanksgiving food drive is so fun. In fact, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, let's do a little recap and check out what we all experienced a couple weeks ago. And you'll see some of these folks who later come over and pick up these boxes. drive after we get the boxes from here we go out and, and what the hope is is to uh, obviously give them a, a great Thanksgiving meal but also to reach out to them and let them know about the love of Christ to people. I mean, they're really excited. Crossroads would be amazed at how many people that you guys touch. We've commissioned ourselves to put together our own boxes along with these, put a message in there, you know, of, of hope, and then we roll out and deliver them tonight. <laughs> to thank the people at Crossroads, this is a blessing that y'all do this every year. It helps a lot of people, and um, it's something that's really needed. What a Some of them um, 
just some um, families that live around the church. So it's a tremendous outreach. When people receive these boxes, I mean, they just see a smile on their face. They're just so thankful. Crossroad is really a blessing to um, all communities in Cincinnati. Crossroads families collect food not just for people who are hungry in Cincinnati, but also folks in South Africa. And we collect that, we ship it over here, and most of us never see it again. What's really cool is we got a group here this week who uh, is actually taking this food, collecting it into parcels, and we're taking it out at home visits to folks who are being cared for by the AIDS hospital. These boxes are going to the families that's in the communities that are uh, less fortunate to you know, have a, a good meal on uh, Thanksgiving. And I'm very honored that we were added to this list to come in and, and help donate food in our area of town. A great appreciation and a blessing from God to try to reach out to help some of our people that are standing in the need. I would like Crossroads to know we are so appreciative of what they do to help us to help others because without them there is no us sometimes. that fun 200,000 meals the combination of all that so so fun now, now here's the thing did you notice while we watched that the messes that were in that video there was messy boxes all the lines weren't straight and if you're ever involved in the planning of it it is a mess it is tension is the weather going to be good? Is traffic patterns going to be awful? Are people going to bring their boxes back? Are we going to have the right number of volunteers? It is, and you see what this is, this is a microcosm for every decision you will ever make. When God asks us to do something, it always seems messy. Always. That's why a lot of you have always had plans to be a generous giver, but you never have because it's always on the leftover situation as opposed to the preset percentage, because it is messy to make your first priority blessing and giving others. That's why a lot of us in here are so bitter still and we are refusing to forgive somebody because we are waiting to understand what would happen if we forgive them. When obedience says you forgive somebody, God says forgive somebody even before and even if they never come to you and ask for forgiveness. And it is a messy thing to say prayers for people that have hurt you and obediently give over that burden and give over that bitterness and pray for blessings on folks. It is, it is crazy and it is messy. It is messy and difficult when you realize you're a parent and you're not here to be a friend to your kid. You're here to be a leader to your kid. And every time discipline needs to happen, it is messy, but yet it's an act of obedience. It is messy to not gossip when it would feel so good. It is messy. Anything, anything that God wants you to do, it is going to be messy. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. It is messy to say no to having sex with the person you're going out with when you're not sure if they're still going to be with you or not, if that's the tool to keep them. The question is, do you want them or do you want God? You want them and all the, the feelings that they can give you or do you want the feelings that God can give you when you are allowing Him 
the jump into the mess. Last section of this story, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Mary treasured up these things. She treasured up the messy situations. She treasured up all that was unideal. There is virtually nothing that is ideal about this Christmas. There is nothing that's ideal about this birth. And yet, and she sits back, she treasures it. Friends, there will come a day. There will come a day if you want Jesus and you want peace that's a kind of peace that nothing else can give you but only he can give you but it not, might not come for a while. There can come a day where you can treasure the mess that you're in right now. And what happens with the mess that you're in right now? You invite God to jump into it. <laughs> you say, would you just come and save? Would you come and do you still jump into messes like mine? And Mary says, and the angels say, glory to God in the highest. Gloria, gloria in excelsis Deo. God, here's these, here are these prayers of ours right now.